Welcome, everybody. Um, as you can see, whether you're uh, on Facebook Live or whether you're here, it's getting uh, colder and darker sooner. So uh, sorry for the folks on Facebook Live if you can't really see um, us that clearly. But uh, um, hopefully you can hear us loud and clear and, uh, and can enjoy some of, uh, some of this time with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Here we are uh, at uh, Campfire episode, Campfire Stories episode, I don't know, what are we at now, maybe 11, 10 or something, or 11. Um, and um, I wanted uh, to share a story with you um, about how we all sometimes find ourselves up against some uh, obstacles, some hostility. Um, sometimes we find ourselves surrounded uh, from all sides by just things not going right. Sometimes you find yourself in, in a perfect storm of, of, of madness. Um, sometimes you don't. I mean, if your life is going really good right now and things are just where they ought, they, where they should be, you know, you're working, family's okay, health is okay, everybody's okay, you know, and things are going well in your life, um, praise God. Uh, thank God for that. And, and uh, you know, that is a, a really big blessing. Um, but there are, are other times in life, whether this is the time you're going through right now or maybe, you know, good to kind of file this for another time where um, you find yourself against great opposition. And when I, when I say great, I mean outnumbered, like a thousand to one. And sometimes we find ourselves uh, with these thoughts in our minds, um, asking ourselves, like, how did I end up here? You know, how did, like, th th the circumstances of my life are so, um, are so terrible. Good. Um, the circumstances of my life are so terrible. Um, I, I, you know, th this could not possibly be just coincidence or happenstance or, uh, you know, or, th or, or, or my own doing. Like sometimes things are so positively, you know, perfectly bad that you, you tell yourself there's no way I could have possibly done this to myself. Um, uh, th there's certain things that are just outside of, of, of our control. Um, and when multiple things in that domain start to go wrong or start to go not how you would like or or whatever the right word for it is you, you think to yourself this is if this is almost like the cards are stacked against me um, and that's a very painful place to be and then sometimes that comes in the context of feeling that y you know not to be proud or arrogant or anything but that you've really made an effort to do all things right in fact, sometimes these things happen when we've made a really big effort to clean up in life. When we've recognized that, you know, we're not living a godly life. We're not living a life that's pleasing to God. And we've made significant changes. And we've uh, uh, switched, uh, you know, uh, friend groups. And we've stopped certain habits. And we've, like, purposefully put certain safeguards in our life. We've torn down bad behaviors and... Um, and then, and, then, and then you almost feel like you're getting rewarded evil for good. And you start to think to yourself, this is just nuts. Well, if you've ever felt any of these things and you're wondering what to do, that's what tonight is about. Tonight 
is about a God who answers. Um, and um, if, um, if you, if you want to follow along in a Bible, you're more than welcome to. If you want to just listen to the story, you're welcome to as well. Um, I'm, I'm in 2 Kings 18, and I'm going to go through the story of Hezekiah the king. Hezekiah the king was the king of the kingdom of Judah, which was the southern kingdom. If you remember or you don't, um, or you never knew, that, that, that uh, uh, under Saul, David, and Solomon, there was one big kingdom of Israel. And David enlarged the kingdom, and Solomon established it. Like David just conquered everybody and everything around him. Um, and he, he enlarged his kingdom so much that even the neighboring countries, you know, offered to pay tribute, like they offered to pay taxes so that he wouldn't, he would promise not to invade them. Um, and he made some treaties with some of them. Um, and Solomon came along and he was the wisest man to ever live. And so he took all of this victory and he established the kingdom. Solomon's son now wasn't so sharp. He wasn't really the sharpest knife in the drawer. His name was Rehoboam. He figured, you know what? If this is what we can do and taxes are like this, let me increase the taxes and not just increase them. He increased them sevenfold, like a 700% tax increase. Well, you can imagine what would happen if taxes went up 700% all in one go. The people were pissed. And so much so that... Um, under the leadership of a fellow named Jeroboam, the kingdom was divided. And the 10 tribes of Israel uh, to the north all decided to become a northern kingdom, and they called themselves Israel. And the two southern kingdoms that included Jerusalem, Judah and Benjamin, became a southern kingdom. So from then on, you have two kings reigning at the same time. Sometimes they go to war, sometimes they're friends. The kings of Israel were I idol worshippers from the get-go. They kind of worship God, but with their own kind of, with their, to their own kind of tune. They didn't worship God the way God had prescribed to be worshipped. They just worshipped him however they felt. In addition to a bunch of other gods, you know, gods of fertility, gods of this, gods of that. And as you can imagine, some of that idolatry found its way into the kingdom of Judah. So Hezekiah the king finds himself as the king of the kingdom of Judah. Um, and his father and his father's father were, were idol worshippers uh, for the most part. Um, there was still some worship in the temple. There was still a priesthood, but it was messy. It was messy. It was messy. It was messy. Hezekiah the king comes along and he cleans up shop. He says, you know what? I am not going to stand for this. And he goes berserk. He goes and he goes to all of the high places, where, which were the places where a lot of the idol worship was happening. And he cuts down uh, uh, all of those altars and all of those wooden images. Um, and they, they were worshipping um, god, a god named Moloch. Uh, so Moloch... Uh, would the worship of Moloch included fires, not dissimilar to ours, except probably 10 or 12 times the size. Um, and they would make their children pass through the fire. So they would send their children into the fire. And, uh, you know, if they came out alive, then, then this and that. And if they didn't, then this and that. And of course, they burned their children alive. I mean, what what kind of monstrosity is that, right? And and then there was uh, the, the god Asherah. The god Asherah was a god of fertility. And the idol of the god of Asherah was a big phallic symbol. Um, so 
this, you know, this 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 giant, you know, you know, male organ, let's call it, um, right? So I mean, this was this was the state of the kingdom when Hezekiah took charge, and he starts chopping all this stuff down and burning these things down, and says, you know, this kingdom. So help me God, we'll worship God and God alone, and that is it. And so Hezekiah the king comes and he cleans up shop. And there's, there's something so beautiful written about Hezekiah the king. It says about Hezekiah the king in, in, in 2 Kings 18.5, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Did you hear that? God says there's nobody like like Hezekiah the king. There's nobody who's trusted me like Hezekiah the king. Nobody. Isn't that beautiful? And a talk for another day, a time a discussion for another day that God is saying the same thing about you and about me. He's put something in your heart, some unique beautiful characteristic in your heart in which you excel in it far beyond anyone else in which you are the could be the perfect image of it just like Jesus of that one trait of God because you are created in his image you are created in his likeness right and so um, so that's Hezekiah the king so that's kind of the backdrop that's the setting in which our story happens so he takes, he takes the throne and he cleans up house. In the fourth year of his reign, his, his neighboring country, Israel, gets taken by the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria, his capital was Nineveh. Do you remember Jonah getting sent to Nineveh? These people were ferocious, the Assyrians. They were absolutely ferocious. They conquered everyone within sight. And they were just, they, they were just ferocious. Um, and so Israel falls to Assyria. They get taken captive and they never come back. They go in captivity. And unlike Daniel and his friends, unlike Nehemiah and Ezra and all of those stories, Esther, those are people who are all around the same time. They get, they get, they fall to Babylon, you know, but probably about 100 or 150 years later. Um, after Israel falls and they go in captivity for 70 years and then they come back but the kingdom of Israel the ten tribes they go in captivity and they never come back so presumably presumably most of the people who are still Jewish now are from the tribes of Judah Benjamin or or Levi because they were the only ones who who came back and reestablished a kingdom um, now that's not true because the Samaritans were some of the people of Israel who kind of stayed back and didn't get carried away into captivity and so on and so on. So there is, there is some stuff to say about that. Ten years later, the king of Assyria starts waging war on Judah. He starts going to the cities that are on, on, the, on the borders of Judah and uh, and laying siege to them, taking control of them, and marching towards Jerusalem. 
And when he gets to Jerusalem, he lays siege to Jerusalem. So for those of you who may, may not be familiar, to lay siege to a city is to surround it from all sides. Then the people of the city close their gates because they don't want you to enter and to, 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 to take over the city. Um, and uh, they, um, they lay siege to the, to, to, to the city. They cut off the water supply. They cut off the food supply. Hezekiah, knowing that this would happen, knowing that this was the MO of the king of, of Assyria, says, you know what, since I know this is what he's going to do, he creates another water supply um, from a, another part of the city going through like a channel and a gate and all of these things, right? Um, and he knows that the king of Assyria would probably po poison the water supply to Jerusalem. And so he, he protects the, the new water supply and he cuts off the old water supply. But there's no food coming into the city because the, the king of Assyria, his name was Sennacherib, lays siege to, to Jerusalem. And then Sennacherib, and Sennacherib here is really like very much, and his, his commander and, and all of these people, they have all these fancy names, but I won't bore you with them, the Rabshakeh and so on. They, they, they are really, they're deeply symbolic in our own spiritual lives of the devil. Like they completely iconify what the devil does. And they bring out all kinds of accusations against Hezekiah. And you know what they do? They say, you know what, we're going to play the long game with these people right? We're just going to cut off their food supply, cut off whatever water supply we can, and then we're going to taunt them. And then we're going to tease them. And we're going to ask them. We're just going to ask them. We're just going to sow seeds in their minds. We're just going to sow questions, you know? So who says to you, you know, that God will deliver you? And who, who of the gods of the other nations have managed to deliver them? In fact, all of the other nations have fallen to us and their gods haven't managed to protect them at all. So seeing as their gods haven't managed to protect, what makes your God any better than the other gods of this country or that country or this country? Or Is your God that much greater? Is that your God that much better that he would manage to protect you since their gods didn't protect them? So, you know, the obvious answer of, of the Israelites to that, they don't answer anything. We're going to get to that, but is that like, well, their gods are not real gods. Our God is the real God. Okay. Well, who says to you that your God will deliver you? Maybe your God can deliver you from our hand. How do you know? Maybe your God sent us to destroy you. They try that card. And the devil tries that with you and with me. Maybe God is allowing all of this in my life to discipline me. Maybe God is... It wants to, um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, correct me. Maybe, maybe God is punishing me for for bad things I've done. So the next card he plays is, you know what, my your God actually sent me, says Sennacherib to Hezekiah the king and to the people of uh, of Jerusalem. Your God sent me to destroy you. Now, how, how would Hezekiah the king answer that? Like, I mean, things are falling apart. Things are busting at the seams. I didn't tell you that when he had taken over the kingdom of Israel, Hezekiah the king, see, Hezekiah the king had, ta had, had 
great success early in his in his leadership. So he he took a whole bunch of gold and he he took the doors of the temple and he he completely covered them in gold front and back. And then the king, when he saw that the king of Assyria was getting closer to him, he told him, look, let me make a peace treaty with you. Leave us alone and we'll pay you taxes. He says, okay, pay me such and such. And they didn't have enough to pay, so he paid everything in the treasury, in the king's treasury, and everything in the treasury of the house of the Lord, and he stripped the gold off the doors of, 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 of the temple. And this is relevant because, you know, don't negotiate with terrorists. It doesn't work, right? Don't negotiate with the devil. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, right? They negotiated a deal with the king of Assyria when he was taking over Israel. He took over Israel. He took over the outer cities of Judah. And now he went right to the heart of Judah, its capital, Jerusalem. And he's taking, he, he laid siege to it. He didn't stick, he didn't stick to his deal. Maybe God sent me to destroy you. The devil tells us, Sennacherib tells us. The, uh, uh, you know, commanders and so on of, of, the king, of, of Hezekiah, the king, tell, him, uh, tell them, look, don't speak in Hebrew to us. Speak Aramaic to us, the language of the Assyrians. We understand Aramaic. You can speak in your own language. And they answer him and they say, you don't want us to speak in Hebrew so that none of the people can understand. You don't want us to speak in Hebrew so that the people of the city can't understand. So they start addressing the people of the city. They say, your king Hezekiah says that your God will deliver you. What makes you think that that's true? And they tease them and they taunt them. He, he, he goes right out and tells him in, in, in uh, chapter 18 verse 30, nor let Hezekiah the king make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present and come out to me, and every one of you will eat from your own vine, and so on and so on, and I will, I will leave you alone. But didn't they make peace with them 20 minutes ago? People come and tell me that honestly in confession and I'm not betraying anybody's confession because this is a common thing which is said. Father John, I'm so tired of fighting temptation. I'm so tired of fighting that I'm thinking, you know what? Let me just give the devil what he wants. You know, he leads me into temptation. Let me, let, let me just take it. Don't we pray all day, Father John, lead us not into temptation and God has allowed me to be tempted. So... Look, if God's not helping me, if God's not answering my prayers, lead us not into temptation, and I'm getting tempted, why don't I just give the devil what he wants? Maybe if he, lead, if he leads me into temptation and I just succumb and I just do whatever he tells me to do, he'll leave me alone. Ha! Huh. Never. Don't negotiate with terrorists. Right? Not going to happen. The devil is not going to suffice. Oh, he fell into the one to for this temptation. So seeing as he's easy bait, you know, seeing as he's an easy catch, let me just leave him alone now. Yeah, right. What planet are you on? Right? Never work like that. Never. Never. The, the, the demons are so evil. They're not, a, evil is not an absence of good. Evil is a very real presence of destruction, of death, 
of torture. In uh, verse 33, he says, Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of the Seferfarvim and Hina and Eva? Indeed, have they, been have they delivered Samaria from my hand? So this shows you that the Samaritans, the people of Israel, were already worshipping worshiping idols. Who among the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Now what are you supposed to say to that? How are you supposed to answer that? The facts are right there. I mean, the facts are right in front of you. Every nation that we fought against has fallen to us. So who do you think you are? And who do you think your God is? Right? Just surrender, and maybe we won't do to you what, we'll, what we're going to do to you when we win, says the enemy. What do you answer to that? What do you say to that? The next verse tells us, But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. The king commanded them. The king of heaven is commanding you, do not answer the demons. Don't converse with them. They're liars. There's, there's, there's nothing to be gained by a conversation. There's absolutely nothing to be gained by a conversation. Hold your peace, says Exodus 14.14, 14, and the Lord will fight for you. Hold your peace, and the Lord will fight for you. I want you to understand that the people of Jerusalem who lived on the wall would look, and as far as the horizon was, as far as the eye could see, was the army of Assyria. There were horses and chariots without number. Horses and chariots in their time were what tanks are to us. Like imagine as far as the eye can see, there's enemy. As far as the eye can see, there's tanks and military equipment. They don't stand a chance. The king of Assyria tells them, look, you guys are so pathetic. I will give you 2,000 horses and chariots if you have men enough to ride them. Come out, let's fight. And I know you don't have you don't have what it takes to fight me. I'll give you. I wanna I wanna even I wanna even the playing ground a little bit. You know I wanna make this fun. It's not gonna be fun to, to just demolish you. So I will give you two thousand chariots and and horses if you have men enough to put on them. The ridicule, the ridicule of the king of Assyria, the ridicule of the demons. And that's why, look, you have enough honor that if you saw your worst enemy down, you wouldn't kick him in the ribs. But the demons don't. That's why you can't negotiate with them. There can be no negotiation. There is no dignity, no honor, no integrity, no truth. They may say things which are true only to win our confidence and then to win our cre their credibility with us and then to lie to us and cause us to fall in temptation. The king commanded them, do not answer him. Step one, hold your ground, hold your peace, and the Lord 
will fight for you. So what does Hezekiah the king do? He sends word to Isaiah the prophet. Yes, the Isaiah, who, the major prophet, um, who, writes, who, who, who writes beautiful prophecies about the coming of Christ, that Isaiah lived at the same time as Hezekiah the king. He, write, he writes him a letter and, he's, and he begs him, he begs him to pray. He sends word to him and he says, please pray along with me. And Isaiah the prophet prays and Hezekiah the king prays. And Isaiah the, Isaiah the prophet sends back word to Hezekiah the king and tells him, you know what? Don't worry. God is going to deliver you. What? God is going to deliver you. What? There's 200,000 footmen at my door. Chariots and horses more than can be counted. An army that exceeds the horizon. And your only answer to me is, God will deliver you? Father John, you don't understand. Like, I lost my job, lost my marriage, got cancer, etc., etc., all in one week. And your answer to me is, God will deliver you? That's it? Come on, tell me, tell me something more. Tell me, you know, to, to how, where, what, when. Isaiah's answer to Hezekiah the king is, God will deliver you. God's answer to you, His word to you and to me today is, God will deliver you. And for the depth of the agony, for the enormity of the battle against us, it seems way too simple to believe. You know, uh, St. Anthony is in his cave. He steps out of his cave and he finds, he finds wild beasts, wild beasts of the, of the wilderness as far as the eye can see coming to attack him and to eat him. And he's like, by this time, he's elderly and frail. And he realizes that this is, this is demonic. Like, I was out here an hour ago and there was nothing. And now all of a sudden, there's a hundred thousand wild, wild animals, coyotes, serpents, scorpions, lions, tigers. Where they all come from? Is there like, you know what this is like the, 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 the animal convention just happened to convene at the door of my cave, you know? He realizes that these are demons. And it's it's strangely similar that it's literally as far as the eye can see. And this is such an important point, this business of as far as the eye can see, because so many times we can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we don't see an end to this. We, we actually like have been through some pretty complex problems in life and have come up with some pretty darn smart solutions. But this one, we can't figure out. This one is, is there's, there's, this one is bad news as far as the eye can see. And, and if I solve this, I'm just going to find myself in that. And it's going to be out of the frying pan into the fire. Every, 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 every little bit 
of, of, of progress. I'm going to make every step. I'm going to take forward. I'm going to take two back. Okay, so we won't do that. Okay, let's try this. Well, that's also a step forward. Oh, and two back. So we can't do that. Let's try this. And as far as the eye can see. So St. Anthony realizes this is this doesn't make sense. He realizes they're demons. And he finds it funny that he's a frail old man. And literally there are hundreds of thousands of demons coming to attack him. So he says to them, he says to them, obviously God has not delivered me into your hand. Because if he had, I'm a frail old man. One of you would be more than enough to completely destroy me. One of you. So if you all had to gang up on me, then obviously, obviously you, you, you don't have the confidence in yourselves that I have in you. Obviously God has not delivered me in your hand, into your hand. And the demons cry out and say, Oh, Anthony, you have overcome us with your humility. Oh, Anthony, you have overcome us with your, with your humility. So Hezekiah prays this prayer, a beautiful prayer. This is like, you know, like bookmark this, 2 Kings 19. Next time, next time you are in this position, turn to, to 2 Kings 19. Next time you're in this position and you don't know what to pray, you don't know what to say, you don't know what words to use to express the agony of your heart to God, pray this prayer. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their land and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods at all, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. He's praying from the agony of his heart. Lord, they're right. They're right. Who has, who has survived an onslaught like this? Nobody. Nobody has. So Lord, if you deliver us, they will know that this is, this is supernatural. This is not normal. This is, this must be God. So then God, after, after, um, after Hezekiah prays, God sends a prophecy. God sends a prophecy through, welcome, welcome. God sends a, a prophecy through Isaiah the king, um, through I, Isaiah the prophet, sends a prophecy to Hezekiah the king. But what's really beautiful is, um, is that it says, Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib king of Assyria, I have heard.
See, all of us have probably tried to pray. And maybe all of us have had the experience of what most people or some people would call unanswered prayer. I prayed, but God didn't answer. He says, like, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. But I asked, but I sought, but I knocked. And that's a bit of a complex question to answer for another day. But the short answer is that God always answers. But sometimes his answer is the answer that he gives to St. Paul. When Paul, St. Paul prays and asks and seeks and knocks and he says, I asked three times that this thorn be taken from me. And God answered him and told him, my grace is sufficient for you. This is good because this makes my grace perfect. My grace is made perfect in weakness. But this isn't one of those times. The beautiful thing in this verse is that it clearly says, Isaiah sends word and he says, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. And this is a word for you and this is a promise for you that God is saying, because you have prayed, I have heard. God will hear your prayer. And God will answer. Simply because you prayed. God is very polite. He won't flush your call. He won't flush your call. So then comes a very complex prophecy, which I'm not going to go into the details of, that Isaiah says concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And it ends with the Lord saying, By the same way he came, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, by the same way he shall return, and he shall not come into this city. He shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake. This city is your heart. When we celebrate the feast of the entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem, otherwise known as Palm Sunday, we're celebrating His entry into Jerusalem. We're celebrating His, his willful entry into His suffering his willful uh, entry into Passion and, and Holy Week, but we're also celebrating his willful entry into your heart and mine. He knows what's inside my heart. He knows that the same people who hail him as the King of Israel, as the Son of David, as the Savior, will crucify him in just a few days. He knows that we're fickle, but He chooses to enter into our hearts anyways. So whenever you see the word Jerusalem, you can think of it as the heavenly Jerusalem, you can think of it as the historical Jerusalem, but you can certainly think of it as Jerusalem, the Jerusalem of your heart, the place where the King dwells, the city of the King, 
and God doesn't care to sit on you know a big golden throne in heaven as much as he cares to sit on the throne of your heart and mine next verse right at the end of that prophecy and it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord the angel of the Lord in the singular one angel of the Lord went into the camp of the Assyrians and killed 185,000 and when the people arose early in the morning there were the corpses all dead so Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went away and returned home and remained at Nineveh what would you do if 185,000 of your army of 200,000 were dead in a night in the hush of a whisper like if that was the work of men they would have heard something someone would have woken up you know to kill 185,000 men would have made a bit of a racket not a word not a hush not a whisper all dead obviously he got spooked out of his brains tucked his tail into his trousers and ran his way back to Nineveh gets back to his city goes into his temple to worship some of his family some of his nephews think to themselves uncle's gone nuts wouldn't you go nuts if you witnessed that and they kill him right there in the temple of his God and the prophecy of Isaiah is true by the way he came he goes back and he never comes back to Jerusalem again and that's our first story there's another really short story which follows it shortly thereafter Isaiah the prophet goes to visit Hezekiah the king again and this time he tells him Isaiah tells Hezekiah the king you don't got much left to live you're sick and you're gonna die and that's all I got to tell you have a nice day and he turns on his heels and walks out and Hezekiah the king is shattered he's broken his kingdom is still he's still pu pulling the pieces back together of his kingdom after the siege and after all of this and so on and he wants to see his kingdom back together again so he turns to God and he prays in anguish and he says remember now O Lord I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight and Hezekiah wept bitterly says and the reason I couldn't help but I felt I had to share this story with you is immediately after the prayer of Hezekiah the king it says what happens and it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying did you hear that did you hear the context did you hear the setup Isaiah met with Hezekiah probably in the inner courts of the palace you know he didn't he didn't meet him out in public he didn't meet him out in public and tell him oh by the way you're gonna die right that would have sent the kingdom into into a tailspin this was you know highly classified information he must have met him 
deep in the palace in some private quarters, in the inner court. It says he was not yet in the middle in the middle court. So there was an inner court, a middle court, and an outer court. Like he was still Isaiah the prophet wasn't halfway down the hallway. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go back and tell Hezekiah the king, I have heard his prayer. Now my question to you is, does God like Hezekiah the king more than he likes you? God has favorites. God is partial. Doesn't it say all over the book of James like, Woe to you for showing partiality. Doesn't say that God hates partiality. God hates favoritism. God treats the good and the evil the same. Isn't that what it says in the Sermon on the Mount? Would God answer Hezekiah the king faster than he would answer you? It basically says Isaiah wasn't halfway down the hallway. The prophet wasn't halfway down the hallway from telling Hezekiah that he was going to die. Hezekiah, you know, cried out from the anguish of his heart and said, Lord, don't let me die. And he wept bitterly. And God heard. Is God quick to hear? Yes. Is God quick to answer? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isaiah hadn't made it halfway down the hallway. When the word of the Lord came back to him, go back, tell Hezekiah the king, he's going to live another 10 or 15 years, I can't remember. And naturally, I mean, he's at death's door. He was pretty sick when Isaiah went and saw him. So naturally, like, you know, how's he going to know? How does he know he's going to live? I mean, do I set my affairs in order or not? God tells him, tell him, I'll give him a sign. Whatever he wants. So Isaiah tells Hezekiah the king, look, King Hezekiah, you're going to live. God has heard your prayer and he'll give you a sign. Do you want the sundial to advance 10 degrees forward or go 10 degrees backwards? The sundial was kind of how they told time as it was a circle, you probably know what it is, it was a circle with like a triangle on it and the, 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 as, the sun, as the sun moves in the sky, it casts the, the, the triangle casts a shadow on the circle and that's how they could tell time where the, wherever the shadow was, was pointing that that's the time that it was and that's how they could tell time. So he's basically saying, do you want the minutes hand to move 10 minutes forward magically on its own? Well, God did it, obviously. Or do you want it to move 10 minutes back? Hezekiah says, well, it's naturally supposed to move 10 minutes forward. That's the normal thing. So make it move 10, 10, 10 degrees backwards. And lo and behold, what happens? The sundial moves 10 degrees backwards. Hezekiah lives. Other things happen later. He makes a, a few small mistakes. You know, God forgives him, but rebukes him, and then he dies a peaceful death. 
But our story for tonight is a story of deliverance in the darkest hour when we're surrounded from all sides and a story of how quickly God answers prayer. Sometimes, let's be honest, we pray and we feel like, what's the point in praying? Like, I pray, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily feel anything. I pray and I don't feel like I'm talking to the wall. So maybe I shouldn't bother to pray anymore. Like maybe there's no point. I'm sure everybody's, everybody who's tried to pray has felt that. I certainly have. But the answer becomes obvious. The reason that I pray is because God is worthy of my, of, of my prayer. God is worthy of my time. God is worthy. So I pray. I worship Him because He's worthy and not for any other reason. Maybe He will do for me what I want. Maybe He won't. And understanding what God does and how He does it is way above my pay grade. But one thing is for sure. God does hear. And one thing is for sure, God does answer. And He answers quickly. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.